0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Great to have you with us. I'm really super excited. This morning, I want you to just touch on something. We've been in lockdown now since just before Easter, the Passover. We celebrated Passover in lockdown. And uh, and of course, the 40 days, we remembered that Jesus appeared, speaking about the kingdom, giving convincing proofs of the fact that he was resurrected, that he was alive, changing the theology and mindset of the disciples, and a powerful time, those 40 days. The significance of 40 is the establishment of a generation. And it's almost like, you know, there was 40 years wilderness wanderings and God had to just terminate a generation of unbelief, but he was raising up a new generation, you know? And so that was really, really powerful. And then, you know, he was tempted 40 days, but 40 days, the establishment of a generation. And it was 40 days from his crucifixion to AD 70, the destruction of Jerusalem, it represented the patience of christ but he was establishing a generation and uh, starting kingdom with power and eradicating the old and so the 40 days was great and then we celebrated the ascension on uh, thursday night and um, that was really a powerful just talking about the ascension again and uh, the fact of it's not his remoteness it's not his absence it's his nearness it's a more effective ministry because he can be in all of us and with all of us at exactly the same time. But that he's interceding for us, he's at the right hand of the Father. Now, from Thursday night, we're celebrating the 10 days that the disciples were instructed to wait. You know, Jesus said, Go into Jerusalem, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father. In Luke 24, he said, I'm going to send you the promise of my Father. The promised Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit is the spirit of promise he is the promised Holy Spirit of God and um, the Bible tells us that they went back with great joy after the ascension and they went into Jerusalem it's really interesting that the disciples understood something about that word wait and that's what I want to just talk about this morning when he said go and wait wait until you have received power, wait for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I just want to touch a little bit on that power of waiting. It's really interesting. Jesus didn't tell them, you know, go and meet in the temple courts, you know, stay in the upper room at night, that place, but um, they met in the temple courts daily praying. It was in the temple courts where the Holy Spirit, or the temple where the Holy Spirit fell. And the inferences, you know, from those passages wasn't in the upper room that's where they stayed and where they slept and it couldn't have been you know the place where the holy spirit was poured out and they couldn't have all been staying there because women were numbered amongst the men and in jewish law you couldn't have women staying with men especially if they were not married and so it had to be in the temple also to fulfill symbolism and uh, so the Holy Spirit fell upon them the day of Pentecost. And of course, you know, all those that had come up for the feast of Pentecost heard them speaking in other tongues. We'll go into that a little bit more next week. But Jesus didn't elaborate on it when he said, wait. And so the interesting thing to me is the disciples instinctively knew, or they knew the best thing to do concerning waiting is to pray. And so they were all together in one accord And they were praying, about 120 of them. Some writers say that initially there was 500, but something like 380 dwindled away. And there was only left with the 120 because they got tired of waiting. And so the most amazing thing is that period of waiting. And the disciples knew that what they needed to do was to pray. So they understood waiting, waiting on God. And so I want to talk a little bit about that you know, you may be in the waiting room. And a little bit of that is a reality for us, or a lot of that is a reality for us with this whole lockdown, the COVID-19 virus. And uh, wonderful that many of us can get out. Some of you have not stopped working. You've been at work the whole time, other than maybe the, the initial few weeks, but then you're working from home. But technically, we have all been in lockdown and we've been in more or less a waiting room. And there's many of you waiting to get back to your jobs, waiting for you to find out if you have a job. Some of you may be facing companies closing down, etc., etc., etc. I'm not speaking things negatively, but those are the reality of where we are. And and very often with God, we find ourselves in a waiting room. You know, when you go to see the doctor, the dentist, they've got an area and it's called the waiting room. Because what do you do there? <laughs> you wait. <laughs> and um, it's what you do in the waiting room. You know, you can fret and panic. You know, a little while ago, I was at the dentist, and I went to just uh, get a checkup and stuff, and there was a, a little boy there, and he'd had a bad experience before. <laughs> so the, the waiting room for him wasn't pleasant. You know, he was screaming and shouting, and he, ra- he ran out screaming. And uh, his mom had to run out after him and go get him and console him. You know, and he was, whoa anticipating, you know, the pain and suffering. So the waiting room, and how do you wait? What kind of waiting, Christian, are you? The apostles, the 120 that all together turned it into a really constructive time in one accord, praying and seeking God. One of our human characteristics is we love to be in control. We love to take charge. We love to be masters of our own destiny. We don't really like being out of control you know, and not in charge. We want to be gods of our own environments and our own world. And very often, in depending what church you are, you're taught, you know, action and things like this. And so we're always looking to try and do things. Now there's biblical action and there's non-biblical action. So we have got to understand that waiting is um, something that we need to learn and especially waiting patiently, not impatiently. So what are you doing? In the waiting room remember Abraham and Sarah had a promise that they would receive a child they would have an heir they would have a son and uh, they got tired of the waiting game and of course Sarah offered Hagar to Moses and it was like well you know let's help God and let's get this thing fulfilled let's get this thing done and of course you know the rest of the story it wasn't a good idea certainly you know was not God's idea and so waiting can sometimes be a frustration for us. And then we can be tempted to more or less take the law into our own hands. Let's help God. Let's do something. Very often it's like that where we're trusting God for provision. And, you know, we've got all the promises of the word and uh, we just we can't wait it out. We've got an assurance in our heart that God's going to provide. But when he doesn't provide in the time frame that we've established in our minds, we turn to the banks and loans and going to debt, etc., And, uh, you know, we have bought the plan of God for us, for his blessing. So very often during the Bible, we find this pattern. And I was just reading one theologian. And this theologian says, God has got a pattern that at times is something that he uses for us. And that is the word. The word is always first. And then there's plus waiting. So the word plus waiting then equals the manifestation. You know, we want the word and we want everything instant. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to condemn us through that. We're living in an instant world and it's fantastic. You know, The fact that we've got microwaves and we've got higher speed internet etc. 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 makes us more efficient. It makes us more productive but very often we take over that instant thing into our Christian life and you know, God doesn't do the God on demand. My demands thing really well because he knows what's best for us. It's amazing how when they got to the Red Sea with the uh, Egyptian army and Pharaoh pursuing them. The Lord basically says to Moses, they were trapped. You know, they were between the devil and the deep blue sea. And I think that's where the saying comes from. And God said to him, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Probably the hardest thing to do right now, you know, see in front of you and a vicious army coming behind you to take you back into slavery. And then God says, no, 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 all you got to do is be still. Just, just quiet in your heart, quiet in your mind. Stop looking at all the external stimulus. Stop looking at what's going on around you. Get that peace in your heart that comes through faith in God. And God was saying, I will fight for you. And of course, we know that Moses held out the rod. Just the same thing at Ai with Joshua when he held his javelin towards the city. Right throughout the day, he had to stand there patiently holding the javelin and that's something we need to learn to do in the face of adversity is learn how to be still to look at everything that's going around and quite not and be still and put our faith in god you know that it tells us in Acts 16 25 when paul and silas were imprisoned in philippi that Philippian jail they'd been beaten their feet were in stocks and uh, you know sometimes mysteriously but if we understand scripture mysteriously All of a sudden at midnight, they start singing psalms and hymns of praise to God. Sore backs, sore feet and ankles, and they're sitting in stocks and things like that in uncomfortable, terrible conditions. And they start praising God. And the reason is because they understood Psalm 119 verse 62 says, At midnight I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. And uh, so thank you for those that get up at midnight and pray for Asaph and pray for me and pray for the country. I really appreciate it. And then, you know, Job 35 is absolutely beautiful. And Paul and Silas knew these scriptures, verses 10 to 14. It says, no one says, where is God, my maker, who gives songs in the night? Come on, God gives you songs in the night. And so the waiting period this night period, you know, where things look difficult, the waiting, it's what you do with the waiting. Going back to the analogy of the doctors in the dentist's room, you know, a lot of people use that time to catch up. You know, it's awesome. Praise God for technology. And they're answering WhatsApp and they're doing emails and they're making phone calls. You know, in the old days, you had to just sit and wait. In the good old days, they would put out magazines and you would sit and read National Geographic or Farmers Weekly or something like that. But now, we can carry on with business. And you know, there's a, a truth in that, that in our waiting, almost in our inactivity, we need to be active with grace things, with word things. You're not with fretting, you're not with trying to make our own plans, because sometimes we've made plans and God doesn't want us to make plans. God wants us to trust him. So it says this, where is God my maker who gives songs in the night? He teaches us more than he teaches the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds in the sky. it interesting how Jesus talked about the birds of the field near the laboring, you know, um, sowing and whatever, but God takes care of them. And it says he does not answer when people cry out because of the arrogance of the wicked. In other words, all our complaining doesn't move God to answer because he gives us songs in the night. Why? Because he wants us to trust in his goodness And trust in his character and his love for us. Indeed, God does not listen to the empty plea. The Almighty pays no attention to it. Now, he's not talking about prayer. He's talking about our complaints about the apparent prosperity of the wicked while we're going through a hard time. He says, How much less then will he listen when you say that you do not see him, that your case is before him and you must wait for him? You know, it's the how. So I've already intimated you don't grumble, you don't complain. And you don't accuse God, you know, and say, Oh God, I can't see you. I can't see what you're doing. I mean, this, these are powerful verses. You need to read them. It's Job 35, verses 10 to 14. So let me just read it again. No one says, where is God, my maker, who gives songs in the night? That's what he does. Who teaches us more than he teaches the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds in the sky. He does not answer when people cry out because of the arrogance of the wicked. And indeed, God does not listen to the MTP. The Almighty pays no attention to our complaining. How much less then will he listen when you say that you do not see him, that your case is before him, and you must wait before him? Well, it's all good. It's all in the how. So how do we wait? So Jesus said to the disciples, let's get back to the point. Jesus said to the disciples, go and wait. Go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. They had a promise. That a promise, the promised Holy Spirit. The disciples went away. They didn't know how long the waiting was going to be. You know, 10 days is almost like a perfect time. And it's a time of submission with a view to receiving responsibility. So it's submitting to the conditions with a view to receiving privilege, sorry, privilege and responsibility. And so, you know, when the promise comes, it's privilege and responsibility. But sometimes, sometimes there's that preparation. So it's all in the how. I like what one person says, how we wait will determine how long we wait. So I don't know about you. Let's shorten the wait by how we wait. So wait for the promise of the Father. It's interesting. It's very interesting that Habakkuk knew what to do when he was very much like the Job passage. Why are the wicked oppressing us? And God, why are you using the wicked to punish us? When we've been wicked, and they're more wicked than us. And he said, I'll go and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see or look to hear what he will say to me and what his answer will be. So Habakkuk knew to go and position himself to wait for God. And then, of course, he prophesies. We a great passage, and one day I want to preach on it, you know, seeing God come from Teman, uh, rays of or flashes of lightning coming out of his hand, in which is the hiding place of his power. And James says the same in James chapter five, verses seven to eight. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, which is something we don't we don't like doing. Be patient, be patient. You remember those times when your parents would promise you something, they were gonna buy you something, get you something, you're gonna go on holiday, and they they're waiting, oh, the waiting is terrible. And they would say, Be patient, be patient. You know, my mom, Omar, to those of ACF. Often I would say, how long, how long to, how long, you know, mom, how long, when? And I remember her answer was always, well, as long as a piece of string. (laughs) Well, how long is a piece of string? Well, who knows? And so it's that patience, that waiting on God. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until he comes with the answer. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient and stand It's a lifestyle of action within a period of almost inaction. It's activity within inactivity, but it's a certain type of activity. It's activity of faith that's restful and trustful in God. So let's look at it a bit, waiting on God. It's not a passive thing. It's a very active thing. Scripture never teaches complete inactivity oh well I'm going to wait for God you know I'm going to wait for God to provide the job I'm going to sit in the lazy boy with my feet up my wife's going to serve me hand and foot and you know wave me with palm branches and feed me grapes and God's just going to do it that's not in fact the Bible does not condone that kind of inactivity you know he encourages waiting strategically cultivating good fruit such as patience and perseverance and endurance It's a period where we can draw closer to Jesus. And then also, it's a great witness to others who are watching, and especially to the unsaved. So the first thing, the first point that I want to give you is to believe that the God who saved you, loves you so deeply, who's intimately involved in your life, has the best in store for you, the best for your life. And so obviously, he hears your prayers. Now, Micah chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. And, of course, we've got all the New Testament examples of if we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, John tells us, then we will have what we prayed for. But, you know, there are times when we feel like God is absent, God's not hearing. Our prayers bounce off the ceiling. He's quiet. But, you know, that's when we got to go back to the word. And so believing in God and his character and his goodness overall, but going back to the word, Romans eight thirty two, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? So the cross really is the guarantee that God is for us and that God is committed to us and that God wants us to have everything that he's promised promise that we can have and so we can be content with that and to wait patiently for, for answers so psalm 62 verse 1 the psalmist says truly my soul waiteth on god from him cometh my salvation yes my soul find rest in god psalm 62 verse 5 my hope comes from him now without contradiction i just want to qualify something god does answer prayer absolutely And that's why we go to the word to find out what his will for us is. What is it that he said that we can have? What are his promises? What are his great and precious promises that Peter talks about in second Peter? And so, we need to understand that he's made all these promises. And to all those, all those promises, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, every promise in God is yes and amen in Christ. So we can take every single one of those promises. Now, there are things sometimes outside of the promise. So all those are yes. But there are things outside of those specific promises that may be not covered 100% by a particular scripture verse. And, you know, God may be saying, not yet. Not yet. And one great theologian said this, God's delays are not God's denials. So he's not saying no, he's saying not yet. But yes is an answer, not yet also an answer. Now someone really, you know, blessed me with a beautiful PCP air rifle. I love love rifles, I love weapons, I don't like... to kill people with you know it's some of it is from my hunting days with my dad when i was young i don't like hunting anymore and um, so for those who might get upset but i still i like weapons you know also military background i love weapons i love rifles i love guns i love to shoot them at targets and um, somebody very graciously blessed me with a beautiful pcp air rifle and um, i was looking at it admiring it and just the other day and then my grandson, Eli, was with me. He's just about four now. And he wanted to hold it and I had to take photos of it. And, and then I've got a little gas fired CO2 a pellet pistol. And we were clinking in the back, safely in the backyard. And I was showing him how to shoot it. And then eventually, without pellets, I was just letting him fire the gas because it made a popping sound. Now, he suddenly wants to know, I've got another very old little breakneck weak air rifle, pellet gun air rifle. And uh, so he is convinced that that is his And uh, I kind of said to him, yes, you know, so he wants to know when, when can he have this air rifle? Well, the answer, of course, is not yet, not yet. You can have it one day. (laughs) And so, you know, you can't handle that thing yet. And so understand that not yet is not a denial. It's a delay. And then, of course, there is the answer. No, I remember learning. In fact, I heard the story from Bev about this woman who um, I forget her name now, but wanted to be a missionary in India. But when she was a little girl, she eventually became a missionary in India. But when she was a little girl, she so desperately wanted blue eyes. And she quoted, If you say what you believe, you'll have it. You know, you can say to this mountain, this tree uprooted and cast into the sea. And she confessed all those scriptures. And she was saying to the Lord, She desperately wanted blue eyes. And she'd wake up in the morning absolutely believing that she'd have blue eyes and then run to the the mirror and looking to the mirror and then she would see she's got brown eyes she was so disappointed God didn't answer her prayer and of course that was an emphatic no and we need to have the wisdom and grace to understand sometimes God says no and uh, the end of the story is she became a missionary in India she had dark hair and brown eyes and in those days Working where she was working, Christians would have been persecuted and actually put to death. But she was able to get away and be disguised as an Indian woman because of the color of her hair and the color of her eyes. God in his wisdom knew better. You know, so sometimes it's no. Now that's a very basic example. So number one, believe that that God has saved you, deeply loves you, is intimately acquainted and involved in your life, has the best in store for you so he hears your prayers. And then of course, next point is trust in his word you've got to go to the word the word is central to us you've got to go back to the word is it in the word is it written in the word if it's not against scripture is it you know the scripture covered by the spirit of the word and psalm 130 verses 1 to 8 says out of the depths i cry to you lord lord hear my voice let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy if you lord kept a record of sins lord who could stand But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. Listen to this. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman wait for the morning, more than the watchman wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And so it's like waiting with hope in his word. If we get a word, the answer is yes. And it may be a delay, but the answer is still yes. And then we can learn how to wait on the Lord. You know, get a scripture. Find a word in the period of waiting. Get scriptures in this period of waiting right now, waiting for revival, waiting for more power, waiting to get back to work, waiting for another job, a new job. Waiting for your business to pick up. In this period of waiting, go back to the word. More than watchmen, wait for the morning. Go and look at scriptures. Lay hold of that scripture and wait on God for that scripture. So, you know, so it's believing in God. Secondly, believing in his scripture. Putting your full weight behind the scripture. If it's written, it's written and you can stand on it. The third thing is trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Of course, that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so, you know, trust God. Throw yourself wholeheartedly onto the word and don't try to make those plans. Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. You should read that whole Psalm 46. It's absolutely powerful. Do it for homework. Read it. So wait for God's promise instead of going your own way, trying to make your own plan. Acts 1, 4, let me repeat. But wait for the promise of the Father. Wait. So... It's tough for us when we have to wait. Times when we have to wait. Like now, you might be waiting for something. And it might be nothing related to COVID-19. It might be outstanding prayers that you've prayed and you're waiting for answers. And in periods when we have to wait, very often those periods reveal we're replacing our trust. And if our mindset, our inner dialogue in our minds changes, if the dialogue, if the confession of our mouth changes, then we haven't fully put our trust in God. And so this is an encouragement this morning to put our trust back in God. The disciples to Jesus wholeheartedly his word. They went back to Jerusalem joyfully. They went into the temple vicinity every single day into the temple and they prayed waiting for the promise with great expectation. So that takes me to the next point. Point number four, Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. Man, that's such a powerful verse. So we need to be constant and steadfast or so continue steadfast in prayer. Pray, pray daily, pray consistently, pray all the time. And then Paul tells us to be watchful. In other words, anticipate not So much the strategies of the enemy, not so much the changing of circumstances around us, but watching for the answer, anticipate the answer, anticipate the answer to our prayers. And then he says, with thanksgiving, man, this is a whole message on its own. And of course, as ACF and friends, I know that you know all of these things that we present all of our prayers and all of our petitions with thanksgiving to God and our requests to God with thanksgiving and that is because we are confident we have faith in the character of God we have faith in the revelation that he's given us through his word and we've got faith in that word it's powerful so we can present it when we can ask and then thank him for the answer so we can start to be watchful so we need to watch with expectancy and be prepared for answers and so Psalm 53 says in the morning Lord hear my voice in the morning I lay my request before you and wait Expectedly, So let's look for the answers. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting prosperity, abundance. As we get through this virus, I'm expecting the world economy to bounce back with greater prosperity than it's ever known. For us to come out of a depression into whatever the opposite is, a boom. I'm expecting worldwide revival. I'm expecting millions of souls to come into the kingdom of God the world has been shaken by I'm expecting I'm expecting answers to my prayers and so it's to watch with expectation and be prepared for the answers and of course in the process is to meditate to have the correct meditation you know the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart it's all part of praying without ceasing so that we even meditating the answers meditating and anticipating what is ahead and Ephesians 3:20 tells us that God is able to do immeasurably, exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or even imagine. And you know, one of the things that I've learned is that meditation and confession are a team, and that's what Habakkuk learned. learn. And we need to learn that he's the apostle and our priest of our confessions. So if we're praying one thing, meditating one thing and saying the opposite, well, we're working against the team, you know, and so we need to have our confession. Consistent with that. Point number five, we're getting along. Resist fretting, refrain from anger, be still, choose patience. I love Psalm 37, verses 7 to 11. Are you guys with me? You know, um, I really enjoyed studying this and preparing. I touched on, you know, waiting on God a while ago, but this is a whole different message. Psalm 37, 7 to 11 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for it. Here it is. Do not fret. When the wicked or other people succeed in their ways and they carry out their wicked schemes, refrain from anger, turn away from wrath, do not fret, it only leads to evil. I'm sure we've all experienced that. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord, listen to this, will inherit the land, will inherit the promises. Those who hope in the Lord will wait on the Lord a little while and the wicked will be no more, the schemes, the things that are against you. Though you look for them, they will not be found. It's like what God said to Moses, yeah, this enemy that you see today, you'll never see again. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Who are the meek? The meek are those who trust and hope and wait on God. And so, You know, we need to convince ourselves that God is listening. God loves us. God's interested in us. God is for us. God is good, you know. And even sometimes our circumstances may not be from God, but he doesn't mind us going through them because what he's looking for is our reaction in it is that of sons of God who know their father and speak and act and and do things differently because they understand we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, And so point number six, we've got one more after that. Be strong and take courage. It's amazing how many times that verse comes up in the Old Testament. God said it over and over to Moses, to Israel, to Joshua, all the way through to David. He said it all the way through. Jesus repeated those words to the disciples. Be strong, be of good courage, you know, take courage. And so we need to learn how to take courage. And one of the reasons why we can do that is we can have the confidence of David that he expressed in Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. He says this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. woo Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Man, you gotta say that. Strong, and courageous. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. yeah. I tell you, there is a lot of fear going around it. Maybe fear is not, you know, what you're experiencing. Maybe it's more frustration. But whatever it is, God is encouraging us to be strong, to take heart, and to wait for the Lord. The promise is that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm not anticipating world depression. I'm not thinking about the businesses that are closing down. I'm believing they're entrepreneurs and that entrepreneurial spirit that is on them. They will rise up, they will stand up, they'll open new business will be more effective, more efficient, and they will be more productive with not as much hard work because they're going to be wiser about it. There's going to be a comeback in Jesus' name. And so, you know, very often our biggest battles is long periods of waiting and fighting away all the negative emotions of fear. And, you know, fear has got family Members and friends, anxiety, fretting, worrying, all of those things, nervousness, etc., 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 and they cause and generate an internal dialogue that is unhealthy to you, and it brings about questions that call into God, question God's integrity. What if this happens? What if God doesn't? What if He doesn't hear my prayers? What if He doesn't answer my prayers? You know, uh, but God empowers us, uh, encourages us to be courageous, because when we are courageous. We are empowered. We're stronger when we are full of courage. We are weaker when we are full of fear. So point number seven, in waiting. How are we in the waiting room? How are we in this time of the lockdown, waiting for business to start up, getting fully back to our jobs, waiting for the economy to be back where it was? You know that in periods of waiting, there are brilliant opportunities to see and to experience the goodness of God. Man, man. Psalm 27, verse 13, again, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So, you know, utilize this opportunity to see and to experience the goodness of God. You know, I I just really want to tell you, and many of you, God has used, and you've been such a blessing to ACF and to some folks in ACF that needed help. You've been a blessing to me personally. I mean I really have seen and of course many of you have got those testimonies we've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living we've seen the goodness of God in this particular time you know and we need to be expecting the goodness of God you know God is good and he's good all the time and we need to believe that and be aware of that continuously so in your waiting time Look for everything that is the goodness of God. Give him thanks for it. You know, write it up as a testimony. Make it a memorial. Build an altar there in that sense. in That old song that we used to sing, you know, came out of all those revivals. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And so we need to be waiting patiently for the Lord. I love what it says in Lamentations 3, verses 25 to 26. It says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And of course, there's that beautiful verse where it tells us as well that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So in all of these things, we can be waiting on the Lord, anticipating his goodness. There's a beautiful, beautiful verse in Isaiah chapter 30, and the verse is 18. It says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up. He will rouse himself. He will stand up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. He will bring about the justice of the cross, not punishment for your sins. That has already been taken care of. He's a God of justice. So because you are the righteousness of God in Christ, he wants to do justly, righteously for you. So blessed are all who wait for him. Man, We need to get our hearts and our minds into a place where we're waiting on God and experiencing his goodness, anticipating it. Colossians 3, 24, my favorite couple of verses, three verse two to four, sorry, to set your heart and mind of things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So the conclusion basically is this, you will not be ashamed ever for waiting on God. That great theologian and preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, his wife's name uh, was Susanna. And Susanna used to counsel her own heart when she was going through tough times. She would speak to herself like David did. My soul, while you're downcast, put your hope in God. And she says this: the Lord has strewn strewn the pages of his word with promises of blessedness to those who wait for him. How awesome is that! And remember, his slightest word stands fast and sure, it can never fail you. So my soul. See that you have a promise underneath thee. For then your waiting will be resting, and a firm foothold for your hope will give you confidence in him who has said, They shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Man, I got gooseys. <laughs> that was really precious. Woo! Surety in us and assurance come. You know, when we wait on God, we get that assurity. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. So, you know, that assurance comes when we pray, when we wait on God. So, wait for the Lord. That great Psalm 23 is another one. Psalm 46, Psalm 23, read them. But Psalm 25, verse 3, 5, and verse 21 says, No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, my hope, Lord, is in you. So, we could never end a message and a teaching on waiting on the Lord with that great, wonderful verse in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. So, this is the conclusion. The conclusion is you'll be at rest, you'll be at peace while you wait, you won't be fretting. The conclusion is that, you know, like Susanna Spurgeon said, There'll be a confidence underneath you because there's a scripture beneath you that you are standing on. There's a blessed assurance in the meantime and there's a quietness in your heart. Your meditation will be delightful to God. These are beautiful results of waiting on God and waiting for the answer as you conduct yourself in the integrity of his word, in the integrity of his spirit. So Isaiah 43 says, those who wait, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and maybe you're tired maybe you're weak maybe you're frustrated maybe you're down maybe you've been enduring and enduring and you've been steadfast you know and you've been patiently waiting and your strength is ebbed but he says you will renew your strength i love what I, th- I think as albert barnes says in his commentary He says that word renew the strength means to change it means to alter it means to revive and to renew and to cause, to flourish again. And that's what I'm believing for all of your prosperity, your jobs or businesses, is that they will all be renewed, flourish and revive. And so he says, the word waiting means, it literally means to wait. But those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. Listen to this. They will soar on wings like eagles. And there's one guy that, you know, one theologian, I'm sure you've all heard those sermons on eagles. But they shall mount up on wings as eagle the hebrew basically means they shall put forth fresh feathers like a molting eagle so you're going to get new feathers in your wings you're going to rise up to heights that you've never been before you know restoration is not just taking you back to where you were you know with god is always restoration plus and he wants to take you beyond where you've ever been before because none of us have been right there you know like the full stature of Christ. So he wants to take you beyond. So you will put forth your wings again. And those feathers might be tatty and tired and worn out, but you will put forth fresh feathers and you will rise up on wings of an eagle and you will soar to new heights. And then you will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. So waiting on God. So go wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. The awesome thing is we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit in the sense of the baptism in the Holy Spirit that we can receive any time. The principle is that wait for 10 days. What was the attitude in that particular time of waiting? It was joyous and there was activity. There was fellowship in the evenings when they were together and they were eating, but there was a constant mindfulness of the imminence of the fulfillment of the promise and the blessed holy spirit coming they didn't expect it to look like that they didn't know what it was going to look like it was way beyond their wildest imagination and in your period of waiting god can do exceedingly above and beyond all that you can ask or think or imagine it's worth the wait but it's how you wait and i know as acf members and friends you will wait the correct way so wait on the lord wait for the promise of the father it will come you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come on, let's trust God. Let's trust God. It's going to be better than it was ever before in this period of lockdown. It's a time of waiting. Let's not lengthen our waiting time. Let's uh, shorten it by learning the lessons. It will come. It will come. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you in Jesus' name.